On today's episode, Anna shares the story of the Ken and Barbie killers, a deadly couple that committed unimaginable crimes. Welcome to Crime Bar. sitting here chatting but for like an hour yes some catch-up time yeah um I was gonna say how was your week (laughs) but you already told me I already told you in the last hour (laughs) I um I don't know why I wrote this down but I think it's because when I saw a meme about buying cake it was like my it was like a PSA that I should go buy a cake yeah for no no good reason um well it was your birthday it was my birthday (laughs) on May 11th yeah and um we had like an hour to burn before K1 racing. Oh, so yeah. popped over to Costco. Yeah. Had nothing really to buy. Head straight to the baked goods section and then got one of those like ginormous chocolate fudge birthday cakes. I saw it on your Instagram and I don't want to be like a a downer, but like I hate those. Excuse me? Yeah. What part about what part what part do you not like? <laughs> what? You're like personally offended. Yeah. The moose part? Cause I don't like the moose part. I scrape it off and I just eat the cake and the frosting. I like like fudgy frosting i don't like mousse so this but that's not what i super fudgy okay but i don't i don't know just like you're talking about like the ones from try again with like a no i have like with like the plastic around the top and plastic lid or whatever on the top yeah i don't know i'm just not a fan Hmm. it doesn't do it for me okay it did it for me and it did it for bobby because we bought one and then we went back this week and bought another just to buy a cake we literally walk in buy a cake and then leave and we would just like take turns um standing over the the kitchen counter not even like serving ourselves a plate oh yeah i definitely don't believe in using plates like if it's if it's just you and you're getting the cake like because you want to it's like a personal one-on-one experience just to shovel you don't don't need to no no, no. so yeah my week went really well clearly (laughs) um so i had a story yeah all picked out yeah and i was like decently excited about it relatively excited Okay. But then I looked at our Instagram pictures and our comments, and there was one human named Lila, Layla, Layla Darko. And she suggested one of. Did you I, write her name down? Or are you just trying to remember? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. I just couldn't find it. I'm going to start that over. Why? Cut it. Why? Why? Yeah. Because I went. Oh, I can just cut that out. Oh my God, the boogers. Can you, can you see that? <laughs> no. It keeps happening. No. It's like a leaky Since you faucet. ate that <laughs> spicy salad. Yeah. Spouting. So um, shout out to Layla Darko because she suggested a case that I have never heard of. I don't think you ever heard of it. It's twisted. It's disturbing. And I think that it warrants a trigger warning. Um, oh, because that disturbing. Yeah, I would say so because I got into it. It's disturbing. And then when I was about halfway through... It just kept escalating and escalating and escalating. You're like, I don't want to be here anymore. But and I'm, I'm, but I'm committed. Through. You know yeah. how I am. My, yeah. my Taurus stubbornness. I was like, I'm just going to finish this. <laughs> <laughs> so That's lucky very you. true of you. Lucky you guys. Um, today I will be covering 
the Ken and Barbie Killers, Paul Bernardo, and Carla Homolka. I feel like I know his name. It it, it it's yeah probably, or because of something that he did. Okay, something he was originally known for. So that's that could be why. Okay. Okay, so I'll just begin with Paul. Okay. Paul Kenneth Bernardo was born in Scarborough. Uh, Scarborough. That sounded right. Cut it. Didn't feel right. Oh, okay. You know when you write things for so long, and then when you finally say them out loud, and you're like, that's not a real word. Oh, yeah. I've learned the hard way that I say things differently. Then I read them, even. Yeah, but then I, I'm so certain that I know how to pronounce it, and then I say it out loud, and someone's like, like, you know, um, what's the word? You said poke earlier. <laughs> Yeah, that's how you. Yeah, that's how you say it. Poke, yeah. and you pokey. called it pokey. pokey. No, I think it's poke. It, it, I'm pretty it, sure that it is. There's absolutely no way it's pokey. So. But uh, you know the word reputable. Yes. In my mind, reputable. I, I always read it reputable. Uh huh. And I said it without thinking one, but I I've always known like that's yeah. one that I don't actually know for certain. Is that how you say it? So I don't say it out loud. And Smart. then one time I said it out loud in front of Brett, and he was like. Oh, I always thought it was pronounced reputable. And I realized like what I had done and he was like, but you know everything. You're like you're so much better about that. So like I'm sure the way that you said yeah. it is and I was like the oh, most kind yeah, way I of think. calling someone out ever. But he like he it was totally sincere. He thought oh. that he thought his whole life he had done it wrong and I was obviously doing it right because I'm the wise such one. a Virgo. And I was like, uh, no, I, I did that wrong. I believe <laughs> everything out of your mouth. It. We both know this. If you say something, it is fact. Yeah. You just have one of those personalities. But it's also you too. Like whatever you say, you believe. Yeah, I believe you it. Say <laughs> I believe it. It's with such conviction, but it's never, it's not generally right. The difference is you're generally not right. Always. Okay. We'll argue about this another time. Okay. 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 So Paul Kenneth Bernardo was born in Scarborough. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be a long one because I say that word a few times. He was born in Scarborough, Ontario. I think it's Scarborough. Scarborough. That rolls off the tongue better. So he was born in Scarborough, Ontario. <laughs> Crap. On August 27th, 1964. So what is he? So August that, 27th. I think that makes you I him one of you. he's a Virgo. He's a Virgo because it's end of end Yeah, of August. August 25th is, I think, when Virgo starts. So so he's an Ashley. So he had... That's great. <laughs> yeah, just... Gets, there's so many twists. Okay. Okay. So he had a tough childhood. He financially, the family was very well off and to the outside world, they seemed like they had it made. Okay. But things aren't always as they seem. No. They Shocking. Never are. No, 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 no. Paul's father, Kenneth Bernardo, was a very sick man, mentally, not physically. In 1975, when Paul was only nine years old, he was charged with child molestation. Oh. And what? I couldn't. Yeah, and I couldn't find details about the charges, I think, because they were minors. So well, sure. things could be released. That's all we got to know. But we do know that he also molested his daughter. Oh. So Paul's sister. Okay. Understandably, Paul's mother was shaken to her core over her husband's actions. So and that charge was not from his own daughter. It was, it was from a, someone else. else that so. he, he had fondled somebody else and been caught in that. The word fondled. I think molestation, molested. Like, I think we should just say that, not fondled. Yeah. The, the One, I don't like, I don't like the, the word fondled. But also, but I think the correct it's also, term is molestation. Well, yeah, but also like, well, I don't want to be like oh, technical, but yeah. like it covers like a wide range of abuse, I think. Yes. So then you're, I don't know. Let's not keep going. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. 
So understandably, Paul's mother was shaken to her core over her husband's actions and she began to withdraw. She eventually ended up moving into the basement of their home. So she just separated herself from her family. And I'm not sure if Paul was too young to process just how devastating his father's crimes were, but supposedly to everybody around him, he seemed completely unaffected. His father was abusive to both him and his mother and his father was charged with molestation and now he was seeing his mother unravel from the distress yet he was emotionally unscathed the news but he was only like five or six you said so he was no nine. Oh, okay yeah well i feel like that's still too young to even process the gravity of the certain gravity things. of anything yeah the news that did disturb him however was finding out at the age of 16 that he was actually not the son of Kenneth Bernardo. Instead, he was the son of a man that his mother had had an affair with. Oh. So what happened was after the birth of his older siblings, the mom started... Okay, I'm going to smush, smush, smush. So what happened was Paul's father became abusive towards his mom after she had given birth to Paul's older siblings. She He ended up beating her. And because of this, she started detaching, separating herself, and she ended up dating or seeing an ex-boyfriend. Oh, okay. So his, who he believed to be his father became abusive after they had kids. Yeah. So Paul's... Uh, so Paul's yeah. the younger? Paul, like he's Paul the youngest, is, maybe? Yeah, Paul's the youngest. Okay. And he was the product of an affair when his mom cheated on the... the the, the man that she supposed that he believes yes. is his father. Exactly. And apparently the molester. Yes. Okay. Yes. Apparently, Paul's father was fully aware and accepting of the fact that Paul was not his biological son, and he is even listed as the father on Paul's birth certificate. So oh, he, okay. So this guy he, Kenneth is his Kenneth is the father. So he, he knows he's the molester. Mm-hmm. He was married to Paul's mom. Correct. They had kids. She cheated on him, got knocked up. Had Paul. And he knew and was like accepting of it and was even on the birth certificate. Correct. Okay. Everything what about this boyfriend? We know you nothing know? about him. He's just an ex-boyfriend okay. that she rekindled things with. So we don't even know if he knows or anything. Like that. We don't know anything. Okay. Everything about Paul seemed to change after hearing this information. According to allthatsinteresting.com, he began to verbally abuse his mother. He openly called her awful names like slob and whore. His need to hurt and humiliate women only escalated from there. When he was a student at the University of Toronto, Paul would bring home girls from the bars only to physically and verbally assault them. Nick Prawn wrote a book about this story called Lethal Marriage, and this is a quote about young Paul. He was always happy, a young boy who smiled a lot, and he was so cute with his dimpled good looks and sweet smile that many of the mothers just wanted to pinch him on the cheek whenever they saw him. He was the perfect child they all wanted. Polite, well-mannered, doing well in school, so sweet in his Boy Scout uniform. Beneath the charming facade, however, Bernardo had developed dark sexual fantasies and enjoyed humiliating women in public and beating women he dated. I'm obviously no psychologist, but when I hear this- You're not? I know, shocker. But when I hear this, my brain jumps to a few conclusions. When his mother revealed that she had cheated on her husband and gotten pregnant with another man's baby, Paul's respect for women just went out the window. He was... Well, could I make a point, though? Mm-hmm. That maybe you're about to make? Like, yeah, let me, 
Okay, sorry. He was possibly so ashamed of the way that he was brought into the world that he wanted to bring shame to females. He seemed to be lashing out and attempting to humiliate a gender that is that previously brought him shame. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense, and so maybe we're going to say something different. That wasn't what I was going to say, but cool. I was going to say... Let's discuss. If she didn't leave her husband, mm-hmm. obviously... I mean, let's just call him Lester a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. Yes. I'm sure he was abusive. Mm-hmm. You even said he was abusive. The father was he, abusive to both Paul and the mother. Right. And and molested his own daughter and all that stuff. So it's like, I'm sure he was not just a normal... He, he wasn't being raised in a normal, healthy environment where you're taught to respect everyone as people. Yes. He was viewing his father regularly abusing Dim, his yeah, wife. Demeaning. Yeah. So... He also could have seen his mother as weak for not sure. leaving during sure, those sure. times and, be, and basically not being an advocate for her children by enduring abuse or that's how he could have felt. So maybe, Or like maybe he just never lashed out at his mom, mm-hmm. but he was that behavior was totally normal and then he had a reason to lash out at her when she told him the truth. That's okay. There's just so many theories. Sure. I'm just, yeah, no, I'm not trying to like... Um, I just mean, I I don't, like, you're trying to sell it as, like, it's a surprise. Like, he was a Boy Scout, and then all of a sudden he starts beating women. No, I'm just saying that when his, that basically when his mom revealed that. Then he, he started doing He immediately started calling her a whore. Yeah. So it's not just, like, women in general. He started doing that to her, and then that escalated because when he went to university, he had discovered his uh, sexual fantasies by then. Yeah. And so I think that that verbal humiliation then developed into physical and you, to dating. Do you know like how old he was when he found out the truth? 16. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Around this time, Paul developed an obsession with the Brett Easton Ellis novel, American Psycho. And he treated this book like his Bible. And I'm, I don't know if you've seen it or read it, but I'm one of those weirdos that's never seen American Psycho. Is that Psycho? It's with Christian... Alfred Hitchcock? No, American Psycho with Christian Bale. So clearly you're also a weirdo like I yeah, am. But no, it's very so famous. I don't know anything about it. And it's about a man named Patrick Bateman who is a successful New York investment banker and secretly a serial killer who preys on prostitutes, co-workers, and eventually random strangers. Oh. You've seen the memes where like Christian Bale's in the suit and he's covered yeah. in blood with the, the knife. Sure, sure. So... He's I just obsessed thought that the, the Alfred Hitchcock Psycho, I thought that they had like a bunch of like remakes and they were called different things. But maybe I just made that up in my mind. You made that up and you believed it. Yeah. You sold it to yourself. I did an Anna. <laughs> yes, you did. Such <laughs> conviction. So after hearing that, I'm picking up on the fact that Paul is very intrigued by successful men living double lives. Like it's very alluring yeah. to him to have like this dark side. Yeah. On May 4th, 1987... Paul followed a 21-year-old female home and raped her in front of her parents' home. Oh. Ten days later, on May 14th, he raped a 19-year-old in the backyard of her parents' home. Over the span of five years, Paul attacked and or raped 17 more women in the Scarborough area. Scarborough. Scarborough. I don't, it's not good for me. Okay. Over the span of five years, Paul attacked and or raped 17 more women in the Scarborough area. It's okay. It's okay. just Scarborough. It doesn't. Scar- I'm, Scarborough. I'm literally. Is it gonna, like Edinburgh? I'm literally going to. Yeah. I'm going to write down borough instead of borough. <laughs> <laughs> Can I leave this in? 
Sure. <laughs> Self-deprecation is healthy. Yeah, it is. Over the span of five years, Paul attacked and or raped. Okay, now I have to leave it in because you're, if I cut it out, you're like, over the course of five <laughs> years. <laughs> I will not do that. I'm going to start it over. Okay. Over the span of five years, Paul attacked and or raped 17 more women in the Scarborough area, which is how he ended up getting the name Scarborough Rapist, which is maybe how you've heard of Paul. No. 19 19 (laughs) is only the official count, but there's a strong chance that there were way more victims than just 19. Yeah. For the most part, his MO was following the victims from their bus stops and attacking them at their home or in secluded areas except for only one girl that was attacked in her own bedroom. Oh, all of them broke into the room? Broke in, and I believe she was 15. All of the women were between 15 and 21 years old, and on top of being beaten and assaulted, they were verbally abused and threatened. The police received two different tips, stating that they believed Paul was in fact the Scarborough rapist. A friend named Tina Smyrnas said that Paul was very open about his sex life and was vocal about the fact that he liked rough sex. So even though I think that that was a stretch on Tina's part, she yeah, I obviously- Yeah, I say, I wouldn't call raping people a sex life. Yeah, well, yeah, you would think, but she figured that he was so open about rough sex, but I think her gut was telling her oh, something. Oh, I see. She didn't know he was raping people. No, she just- Oh, because she- I was like, Tina, like- is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, no. That's what I was saying. There's a big stretch, but clearly she had like a gut instinct okay, that there gotcha. was something off about yeah. her friend. Yeah. On November 20th, 1990, Paul was interviewed by the police. He was a charmer and stated that he looked similar to the composite. So there was probably just some confusion. He, he was. Said that? Yeah. He said that. He's like, I look like the picture. I can so get that. That's confusing. Confused. Yeah. I'll let it slide. You little police yeah, officers. You're, silly. You're so cute. Well, the act worked because he was released. Oh. So all the while Paul is stalking and assaulting women, he meets a woman named Carla Homolka. He was 23 years old and she was 17. Carla Homolka was born on May 4th, 1970. Oh, so we got a Taurus and a Virgo here. Yes, so I know you're thinking they're just like us. Carla was popular and loved by everyone. I didn't get much about her childhood or her family life, but everything seemed relatively normal. She worked at a vet's office because she loved being around animals. When she was 17 years old, she went to a pet convention. And this is where she met Paul. And I have no idea why Paul was was at a pet convention in the first place. What even is a pet convention? I don't know if it's like to advertise for new foods or new methods, but she worked at a pet store and she was needed there. So, and I don't know why Paul was there. From day one, they were insanely attracted to each other. It didn't take them long to figure out that they were both into S and M, and they began a sado- mm. and they began a sadomasochistic relationship. According to Dictionary.com, sadomasochistic means an interaction, especially sexual activity, in which one person enjoys inflicting physical or mental suffering on another person, who derives pleasure from experiencing that pain. And I know, you know it's so funny. Yeah. One time I was reading a book. Uh-huh. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. And I looked up and I was like, Dad, what does S&M mean? He's like, oh, Ashley, <laughs> what book are you reading? <laughs> Put it down. But I know it's. I was alarmed when I um, saw that she was so openly into S&M at the age of 17. Yeah. I don't, and we're not kink shaming, but. No, um, we're not shaming. But as a 17 year old, I thought that that was borderline alarming. 
Paul took the role of master and Carla was a slave. He was very open about his perverse wants and desires. And at one point he told her that he liked raping other women. Oh. According to an article by crimemuseum.org, he asked her for permission to rape women. And when she agreed, he began, he became, okay. <laughs> he, he began. began. He became. <laughs> God. He became. He became that. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I can't be smiling when we come no. back into this. According to an article by crimemuseum.org, he asked her for permission to rape other women. When she agreed, he became the Scarborough rapist. But that's not correct because according to other sources, he began his he attacks in 1987. Before. Yeah. Yeah. So he, when he was questioned and he was like, that, that looks like me, but that's confusing. That was before. That so, was before they even met, right? Yeah. So the crimemuseum.org, not to put you guys on blast, but they stated that he had asked her for permission. He had asked her for permission and that's when he started. But he could have asked her for permission, but really been doing it all along. I'm sure thing. he was already doing it. But he like, was from 1987. What kind of twisted, like, can you imagine sitting down? Like, honey, I like this. You, would you be okay? Would you consider this cheating if I did this? Like, is that what he, like, why would, what, what it, I wish there was it's like, almost like a asking, YouTube video can, of the Can com- we have an open relationship? It's like almost what it sounds like, but it's like, but with violence. But, but to rape women. Yes, that's exactly what, I mean, there's no YouTube video of the discussion going down, unfortunately. There, oh, there's not. No, there is no, they weren't mic'd, so I don't know, but um, I'm assuming they're sitting kind of like we were, and he Ugh. presented this to Carla, and she didn't see this as a red flag. She if anything, supported it. Oh, that's so sad. It's very sad. I feel like without even, obviously without getting any details of her childhood, I feel like we know. We know a lot went down. We know a lot went down for sure. Their appearances shouldn't matter, but because they are literally nicknamed the Ken and Barbie killers, I figured that that aspect should be brought up at some point. Oh yeah, why why is that their names? Because Carla was a very attractive blonde with a big, beautiful smile. And oh. I, yeah. And I they personally think like Paul him. is hideous. Oh, okay. I think he's disgusting. Okay. Not my type, but okay. he was one of those like blonde, tan, golden okay. boy type Ken dudes. Yes, exactly. I'm going to show you pictures. We don't like golden boys. We don't like golden boys on this show. No. So this is her. And she kind of looks like Pam Anderson a little bit. Like young Well, Pam. I don't mean to be like mean about it, but you picked a terrible photo. Oh, really? I, I don't think she looks pretty at all. Oh, I thought that's, see, that is her pretty photo. This is what oh. she looks like. I think oh. compared okay, to- Okay, I see the Ken and Barbie thing. I was, I guess I was mm-hmm. picturing, oh, but that's him. I think he's hideous. Um, And then like, look at him in his stupid puffer jacket. He looks like a bumblebee. Yeah, he does. And he looks so stupid. Yeah. He's not cute. No, he's not. But the media, they I don't think it. she's cute either. She, you know- yeah it's the media thought they were attractive i think that's why a lot of it built a lot of traction was because you know how it is fly in here yuck a fly god damn it god forbid i hope you die well i said it's the fly i'm saying it's you well i know that there's just so much death already on this podcast that i don't want it buzzing around in my business though see it's like in the frame and stuff Hopefully he just finds something to do and distracts himself. How did he get in? What was he doing before now? I don't know. It's like weird that, like, what do they do with their free time? Well, they die slowly if they don't have food. And there's no food in here. There's no 
poop in here. I don't know if you know this. There's no poop in this recording studio. <laughs> God, insects are weird. Okay, so um, when the two got engaged, Carla told a friend, Paul and I are happier than ever. He's being so great, so romantic, but that's typical of my honey. Oh, I hate God. it. I hate I know, that I, so much. I literally wrote barf. And this was actually not the case. Paul was starting to get very bored with Carla, and he felt that his desires needed to be met elsewhere. Wait, so he already asked permission to be raping people, and then he's that's she's like, yeah, sure, and then... Wasn't satisfied. So and this what, is when things escalate. Oh. So after their engagement, Paul understandably started spending a ton of time with Carla's family. It's normal. Yeah. What's not normal is the fact that he became obsessed with Carla's younger sister, Tammy. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did all the disgusting, creepy things. Like I went like this to cover my ears. I know, and then you just pressed him further into your ears. He would watch her through her bedroom windows and sneak into her room while she slept to masturbate. Uh, Apparently, he was able to do this because Carla broke the blinds in her window so that he could get in. Ew, so she knew this. She was enabling. Enabling. Carla was fully aware of his sick obsession with her 15-year-old sister. In July of 1990, Paul drove Tammy across the border to get her beer for a party that she was going to. When they got back, Paul told his fiance Carla that he got drunk and he made out with her little sister. And you would think that that would be a deal breaker, but it's well, but it's no, not. obviously not. Yeah. If she was She's, helping him get into his room, know, into just, her room to she continually shocks me and disgusts himself. me. <laughs> According to Paul, Carla stole Valium from the place that she worked called Martindale Animal Clinic. She crushed up that Valium and put it in the spaghetti sauce that she served to her sister. Oh. During dinner, Tammy lost consciousness and Paul began to sexually assault her. After this occurred, Paul tried to remain as close to Tammy and her friends as possible. He bought them gifts and food and drinks, obviously as a way to bribe these poor young girls. So I don't know if Tammy wasn't aware because she was unconscious, but he remained in their lives. We obviously read about a ton of horrific people when we do the kind of research that's necessary for this podcast. And I think one thing that continues to shock me is how far the spectrum of evil goes. The following tidbit is something that really got me. So here's another warning. Okay. Paul was supposedly very disappointed by the fact that Carla had been with someone else sexually before him. Ugh. I know. Knowing this, Carla decided to give her sister's virginity to Paul as a Christmas gift. On December 23rd, 1990, Carla once again stole from her place of work. This time she took halothene, which is a general anesthetic. It induces muscle relaxation and alters tissue excitability which therefore reduces pain as a result and it is now banned because of how risky and deadly it can be it's like fentanyl where it's like the something about it it's it can go wrong more than it can go right so it's not it's no longer before we get further in didn't didn't he already assault her he assaulted her when she was unconscious but oh, I don't. But I, I think he. Him. I don't think he. Okay. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't say specifically what he did to her the first. Well, time. obviously, if this is the second time and she's she's still a virgin, okay, so yeah. yeah. Okay. Carla and Paul crushed up sleeping pills and slipped them into Tammy's rum and eggnog cocktail. Tammy sipped on her drink with absolutely no idea what these two monsters had in store for her. When she was unconscious, Carla soaked a cloth with the halothene and put it over her sister's mouth and nose. While her parents were literally right upstairs in the house, oh my God. Carla and Paul raped Tammy 
while videotaping the entire assault. Oh. During the assault, Tammy began to throw up everywhere. She says, a, yeah, is the drugs and alcohol. Yeah. According to murderpedia.org, Carla then put on Tammy's clothes so that she could pretend to be her little sister in the videotape. So God forbid Tammy's throwing up, so Carla steps in pretending to be Tammy. For the recording. Yes. So Tammy proceeds to throw up, so they try to revive her, and they just were not successful. So they have to call 911. While they waited for help to arrive, they hid the evidence of their crimes. They moved her body into the bedroom that was located in the basement and put clothes back onto her body. After Tammy was taken away, the two spent the whole night vacuuming and doing laundry to cover up what they had done. There was nothing that could be done, and Tammy was pronounced dead at St. Catherine's General Hospital. Oh, my God. Even though there was a bizarre chemical burn on Tammy's face from the halothene, yeah. her cause of death was declared to be accidental. It was assumed that she drank too much alcohol and then choked on her own vomit. What? So Yeah. So remember how Carla used to work at a pet store, like, years ago? Yeah, yeah. While she was working there, she had become friends with a 15-year-old girl. Fast forward to two years later, on June 7th, 1991, Carla invited that girl to join her for, like, a fun girls' night. They shopped and then ended the day with dinner before Carla invited her back over to her place. As soon as they got there, Carla starts pushing alcoholic drinks onto her. One of those drinks was laced with halcyon. Halcyon is a sedative that is used to treat insomnia. Once the teenager lost consciousness, Carla calls her fiance up and told him that she had a wedding gift waiting for him. And I, obviously I don't, side note, because there's this theme of her giving away people's bodies as gifts. Yeah. And there's something, not something, that is the most disgusting and disturbing thing that. It's she, so twisted. She has it's something an in extra her. extra level of twisted. Yeah, she has something in her brain that like being sexual and giving away that part of yourself is not like a life stage or something intimate and special, but instead well, yeah. something that you, that is, I don't, I don't know how to well, describe obvi- it. Well, like it's, it shouldn't be yeah. surprising though. Like he, she's already aware that he's actively raping women mm-hmm. and gave him her blessing. So it's like, I'm just saying that the, the, this, the, there's something about giving someone's body away as a gift or like as a currency. Yeah. That's so sick. Um, when Paul showed up, he undressed the girl and began to videotape them raping her. The next morning, the girl woke up with zero recollection of what had occurred the night before. She just had no idea that she had been drugged and assaulted and videotaped, and she left. A few days later, on June 15, 1991, Paul decided he was in the mood to steal some license plates. So he took a little detour through Burlington. For those who are not familiar with Canada, this is about halfway between Toronto and St. Catharines. As he was driving around, he spotted 14-year-old Leslie Maffey. Leslie had attended a funeral earlier that day and ended up missing her curfew. She was then locked out of her home, perhaps to teach her some sort of lesson. She's at a friggin' funeral. And I don't want to like put any blame on the family, but that is not a way to teach your child a lesson by locking yeah, them out of their home weird. at night. Mm-hmm. I've heard of this happening before. Like I've seen I've heard like, of that too, but not don't do it. Yeah. So she couldn't find a place to stay overnight. So she was just wandering around in the dark oh, all alone God. as a 14 year old girl. Paul approached Leslie and she immediately asked him if he had a cigarette. And I'm assuming that he told her yes, because they began to walk to his car. When she was in front of him, he immediately blindfolded her and forced her into his car. 
He drove to the house that he and Carla were renting in Port Dalhousie, and upon arrival, he informed Carla that he had found them a playmate. Very similar to what happened to Carla's sister, they set up a camera and videotaped themselves torturing and sexually assaulting her. Bob Marley and David Bowie blasting in the background, as if they're just having a chill party. Gross. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how much time had passed when Paul tells Leslie, you're doing a good job, Leslie, a damned good job. The next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. Right now, you're scoring perfect. Oh. The assault only escalated from there. At one point during the vicious attack, her blindfold began to slip down. The duo determined that it was just too risky to let her go now because she could easily identify both of them. According to Paul, the next morning, Carla gave Leslie a lethal dose of Halcyon. But according to Carla, Paul actually strangled and killed Leslie himself. Regardless of what the method actually was, the two brought her body to the basement. I read on Murderpedia.org that Carla and Paul had Carla's family over for dinner the very next day. Ew. All the while a dead body is in the basement. I've seen stuff like that in multiple crimes that we've researched right. where there's literally bodies hidden in the walls. Yeah. And like to be so detached from what you just committed that you're like not bothered by that presence. But then also to be a guest in someone's home and that happened. Yeah. I cannot wrap my head around that. After some discussion, the pair decided that dismembering Leslie would be the most convenient way of disposing the body. Paul had his grandfather's saw that he could use to dismember the body, but he needed a way of hiding it. So he decided to cover each severed piece with cement. The next day, he went to the hardware store and bought a dozen bags of cement. After this process was completed, Paul and Leslie made several trips to dump the cement blocks into Lake Gibson. Lake Gibson is a man-made lake and is actually where St. Catharines gets some of their water supply. It turns out that one of the cement blocks weighed something like 200 pounds, so they didn't have enough strength to lift and throw it into the water. So they just simply left it on the shore. Okay. This is where it was discovered less than two weeks later by a father and son that were fishing. It also happened to be Carla and Paul's wedding day. Ew. It, yeah, their wedding was like this over the top, like fancy schmancy. Like, well, yeah, her dress looked extremely cupcakey. Uh, yeah, they like even had a horse-drawn carriage. Yeah. So they're having this like extravagant wedding, all the while one of their victims is being discovered on the shore. Yuck. Some time seemed to pass before the two committed another crime. On April sixteenth, nineteen ninety-two, Paul and Carla went hunting for the next victim as they drove through St. Catharines. That is about 10 months after the Leslie Matthew murders, just for context. They drove around after school hours so that they could guarantee teenagers would be out and about. Ugh. For the most part, the neighborhoods were pretty empty, but then they spotted 15-year-old Kristen French. She was speed walking from school, headed straight towards her home that was located very close by. Kristen took the same route home every single day. It always took her about 15 minutes from start to finish. They decided on Kristen and parked the car in the parking lot of Grace Lutheran Church. Carla got out of the car and pretended to need assistance with directions. She even pulls out a map to further convince Kristen that she's like helpless. Kristen looked down at the map to help the seemingly lost stranger when Paul attacked her from behind. He held a knife against her and forced her into the front seat of the car. When Kristen didn't come home at her usual time, her parents knew something terrible must have happened. 
They notified the police, and within 24 hours, the Niagara Regional Police had gotten a team together to search the area. They started with her route that she would always take home. When doing so, they found one of her shoes in the parking lot where she had been taken. On top of that evidence, there were several witnesses that had seen the entire abduction take place. Oh, God. This meant the police were able to get a pretty clear idea of where and when everything occurred. The next three days were hell for Kristen French. Paul and Carla forced her to drink an excessive amount of alcohol so that she would be easier to control. They decided not to blindfold her at any point of the attack because they had already decided on killing her. She was raped and tortured repeatedly over three days. On April 19th, the couple murdered Kristen French before heading to Easter dinner. Carla stated that Paul strangled Kristen as she watched. Her body was found in a ditch on April 30th, 1992. Her body had been washed and her hair was all cut off. And one could assume that the hair was removed as some sort of trophy, but Carla claimed later that it was to make it more difficult to identify the body. Well, that's stupid. And it was only partially shaved, so they didn't even complete that the doesn't even task. make any sense. She's an idiot. The police knew that there had to be a connection between the murders of Leslie and Kristen. When a composite sketch was released to the public, many of Paul's family and friends saw the uncanny resemblance. The, the tips came flooding in. In January of 1993, Carla left Paul. He had severely beaten her with a flashlight, and she decided that she just couldn't handle any more of his violent behavior. And <laughs> domestic abuse is obviously not acceptable, but it really bothered me that she and her husband viciously attacked innocent girls, mm -hmm. but she draws the line at getting beaten herself. I almost said something about mm -hmm. that, and then I... It irked me to my yeah. core. It's okay if we're doing it to other people, but you yeah. do it to me and I'm going to leave you. Yeah. And she, and she like would partake in the attacks. Yeah. She didn't just like sit totally. there and watch. He, she arranged most she, of them, but it's like, not like she was just like the planner or yeah. the person that she set was the literally stage. She doing it physically too. Yeah. was assaulting these girls as well. Just a month later, the DNA sample from Paul came back as a match for the Scarborough rapist. He was put under police surveillance before getting arrested in February of 1993. Carla knew she was screwed, and it was only a matter of time before she was busted. She lawyered up and tried to get a plea bargain in exchange for giving the police all of the information that they needed on Paul. Carla played the whole, like, beaten-down spouse that was fearful and oh, under control of her sure. dangerous husband. She claimed that she was an unwilling participant who was fearful for her life. <laughs> And then Paul's statements were obviously very different. He claimed that he never intended on killing any of the girls. He said Carla insisted that it was necessary because their blindfolds had slipped off and then they would be able to identify them and, and get caught. Okay, so both whatever. of these monsters are yeah, just like placing blame. They're so dumb. They're so dumb and they just like can't, they can't take any accountability. <laughs> Regardless, the government agreed to the plea bargain. This obviously caused a big uproar. Yeah. They said that if she cooperated, she would just get a 12-year sentence. Well, remember how the couple videotaped all of their attacks? Yeah. These tapes were what shattered Carla's victim act. Yeah, good. The videos revealed, yeah, good, but also she had gotten the plea bargain before they came out. What? Yeah, so they can't go back on their word. So that's why the uproar was caused. Oh, I didn't. Mm. So oh, the videos okay. revealed her to be the horrifying and manipulative sadist that she was. 
Carla's defense lawyer hired a forensic psychiatrist to explain her behavior. He stated she appears to be a classic example of hybristophilia. What? An individual who is sexually aroused by a partner's violent sexual behavior. Oh, yeah. I would say that's her to a T. She's definitely that, but she's also just a psychopath. Well, she, yes, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But that was like her defense lawyer hired this person. And that was like yeah. a diagnosis. That doesn't make her look better. No. Paul was found. It helps explain it, though. Yes, it does for all of us people that are interested in that. Yeah. Paul was found guilty on all charges. So he was sentenced to life for the murder, kidnapping, and rape of Leslie Maffey, Kristen French, and Tammy Homolka. His rape count was much higher, and it's assumed that his kill count is actually much higher as well. Yeah. Paul admitted in court that he didn't feel anything for his victims. In 2018, his application for parole was quickly denied. I think it was like a 30-minute deliberation, like no thought necessary. A lawyer that represented one of the victim's families stated, There's never been an apology by Paul Bernardo. There's There's been never any indication whatsoever of remorse. When Paul was incarcerated, he had to be kept separately from the other prisoners for his own safety. The yeah. other, understandably, the other prisoners attacked and harassed him any chance they got. Yeah. And according to murderpedia.org, at one point, five other prisoners tried to storm Paul's cell and a riot squad had to like step in and use gas to make them stop. He has since claimed that his low self-esteem, poor communication skills, <laughs> And misguided coping mechanisms were to blame. Oh my God. I feel like this is every like ex-boyfriend's like. I know how many men that have poor communication skills and they're not not doing this. this. Uh They're just annoying to be around. Apparently he now. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) I'm worked up and I did the. Every time. Every time. You know that. You know that. Yeah, I know. You know that video of that kid who's always like, apparently. Apparently. Brett and I can't say apparently without saying Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, he now has empathy for his victims and is no longer that man. He went so far as to say, sex is a very small part of my life now. Back then, it was a very big part. And I'm like, friggin' Paul, you are locked up in prison. I just smacked my face against (laughs) it because I'm being passionate. He is locked up in prison. There aren't exactly like an abundance of young teenage girls just to rape walking around mm-hmm. to assault you cannot say that you're like a reformed yeah, man no, when that's you, bullshit you don't have access or ability to repeat that's, your past yeah. behavior oh so get this carla was released in 20 uh in 2005 oh no yeah so that was just 12 years after her arrest because of the, the plea bargain um she has since remarried and has children stop yes so she tried changing her name in 20 why do i say 27 <laughs> She tried changing her name in 2007, but the request was denied. Oh, good. Yes. For some time, she even worked at a school where her children attended. So she was just around children. Wait, how how can you legally do that? Like, you every time you get a job, you have to write down, like, if you've been convicted of a felony. Couldn't even tell you how that happened or what was crossing their minds. But I guess people that were, like, locals said that she was living this, like, soccer mom existence. Oh, my like, God. Like, nothing bad had ever happened. In but it came out that her, like, they had done that to her own sister. So does she even, like, have a relationship with her Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get into that. Oh, my God. So in 2016, it became known that Carla was in Quebec, living a very normal existence. Yeah. And 
as hard as I looked, I couldn't find any details about what she had told her new husband about her past. Yeah. Because her he, name wasn't changed. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So, or she, or she, if she even disclosed she anything. Just, yeah, she could have just used a different name just because it's not legally. Doesn't mean she's not doing that. Yeah. So all I know is as of 2020, she is no longer living with her husband and children. So there was a separation of some sorts. No, nothing that I could find about okay. that. Okay. He's never spoken up about it. In 2008, she had sent an apology letter to her family. She wrote, he wanted me to get sleeping pills from work. He threatened me and physically and emotionally abused me when I refused. I tried so hard to save her. So she never let go of her victim narrative. That is so bullshit. Mm -hmm. How do you, Why even how write do you the letter? hang on to that when there's literal video Videotape. footage of you doing that? Once again, not the sharpest you tool in the shed. You could have literally gone to the police at any point before that. Oh, if, there's if, no if excuse. That, I mean, it's not even, it's just not true. It's just, there's no truth to it. It's just a it. lie. Yeah. And that is the deeply disturbing story of the Ken and Barbie killers. Thanks to our Instagram follower for suggesting that. Yeah, that's right? Thanks-ish. Heavy, heavy. It's very heavy. And I think that this needs to be said. Yeah, say it. Um, women can be evil and dangerous too. I think a female lets her guard down when she sees a man accompanied by a female. Totally. But this should not be the case. No. Paul sometimes committed crimes without his spouse. But it goes without saying that numerous attacks most likely occurred because the girl would see like this beautiful, yeah, it's disarming young woman in the car. Yeah. She figured that she was safe. Nothing's going to, you know, nothing bad's going to happen to her Yeah. from the outside. You would never, ever guess the secret lives that they were living and what they were capable of. And there is zero correlation between looks and morality. Yet totally. our brains automatically seem to trust the beautiful and fear the ugly. Mm -hmm. Rewire that. Yeah. I've heard that like one of the most common ways to lure in victims into human trafficking mm -hmm. is the word I was looking for is women. Yeah. They, they'll use like a, they a past, women to lure. Not past victim. They're still a victim, but they'll use people that they had already kidnapped or taken to lure more in. Well, some are voluntary too. Some are voluntary and some are not. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, some are voluntary. What we're saying is that women are just as bad as men or can yeah, be. Yeah. I'm just saying that just because you're seeing a woman that could be it's a bait situation sometimes so yeah. so don't be, help anyone always be mindful don't help anyone honestly in this day and age you don't need to stop and help anyone you can help them by staying in your car mm -hmm. or making a phone call after you've left like there's never a an, an situation where you need to get out of your vehicle or give your phone to them or anything like no. that it's just like no one has maps anymore that should be a red flag sure, that's well well that's yeah certainly <laughs> it's a red flag today but it's your phone yeah but like even if you have a bad feeling about something but you feel afraid Obligate, for yourself yeah. you can you can leave this situation and make a phone call you can yes. call the police from some other location like you don't need to be there yeah like there's just there's so many we have this need to be polite too i don't I, oh, okay. Well, I do. <laughs> and I want to help, you know, and, and so yeah, that's I something don't. that I've had to be like very mindful of, like helping people to carry their groceries to their car or yeah. up to their door, things like that. You just, you can't trust anyone. No, you shouldn't do people that. People suck. You, who are you? Who are, who, why are you doing that? Um, well, so when I was living like in my old college apartment, it was like facing another apartment and I would see like people struggle to carry their groceries up. And there was like one person living alone. Oh. And there would be times where I would consider helping this individual because it's like an older looking man that seems like he's struggling. And then I went, 
that's probably not the smartest thing. No, you probably don't need to do that. Yeah, so my gut instinct is to help, but my logic says stay my inside. Gut, my gut instinct is also to help. Yeah. But I can help in other, like, well, obviously I'm not going to call the police and be like, can you help this man carry his groceries on? I'm too afraid. But like, mm -hmm. you can you can still be helpful without yeah. putting yourself in danger. And manipulative assholes often use that trait in females to get you to feel like you owe them something like if they're trying to do you a favor sure and you say yes they'll play into that so i don't do men any favors and they shouldn't do you any either strangers yeah, shouldn't no, i don't need any help yeah independence well cool so uh well thanks for that super depressing story yeah you're welcome i think Sorry. i sort of knew it but i didn't really? know the extent i knew of a situation where they killed someone's sister. Like I, I mm -hmm. kind of knew that, but I didn't know the the specifics. It's yeah. uh, twisted. Yeah, it's dark and twisted. Yeah. Like I said, got halfway through, didn't realize how gruesome it was, stuck yeah. with it. Don't know if I'm happy that I did, but I did it. And um and that's all. Well recommendations are still welcome even though that one was so dark. Yes, no, so. I'm I'm not I'm not hating on um Layla Darko. <laughs> Just saying I wasn't I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope you have a great week and weekend. <laughs> well, there's still like a weekday left. So oh, yeah. rest of the week. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You too. I take it back then. Yeah, okay. Well, I take it back too. <laughs> hope you have one good day. <laughs> that's it. Not the whole week. Yeah. All right. Love you. Bye. Right, love you. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. For all of our detailed source material, please visit our website, thecrimebarpodcast.com. If you'd like to see content from today, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Crime Bar Podcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help the continued creation of it, you can support by donating to our Patreon, which we have linked on our website as well as our Instagram, patreon.com slash crimebarpodcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Anna Katharina. We'll see you next week. <laughs>